So we have a pretty cool episode today. Yes, we do. You want to talk about it? I think you want to talk about it. <laughs> Let's talk about it. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Headed Home Podcast. We are your hosts, Andrew and Jen. Hi, guys. And today, you're about to see a podcast where we interview a really awesome person, a very successful real estate agent. She has a really cool background. Yeah. Her name is Katarina Miller. She's with 8Z Realty. Let's give some background on Katarina. Okay, great. So she's originally from Chicago. Um, she headed west to Colorado in 2015 and hasn't looked back. She came to Colorado to get a master's in sports psychology. Um, and that's when she turned to real estate, finding the perfect combo of helping people and flexing those entrepreneurial muscles. Bam. Mm. You just wanted to show your Katarina <laughs> doesn't just sell homes, though. She changes lives. She firmly believes that real estate is more than a transaction. It's a stepping stone to your best life. I agree with that as well. Whether she's assisting her clients on their property journey or adventuring in the great outdoors, Katarina's passion shines through. When she's not making real estate dreams come true, you'll catch Katarina volunteering at animal shelters, sampling the latest brews, or exploring the Rocky Mountains. You know what I really loved about this episode is that she had some really great stuff to say around um, psychology, mindset. We talked a lot about, about, about that stuff. So I'm super excited to share that with you guys. I learned a few things. We hope you learn a few things as well. Thanks for your support and for checking us out. Hope you have a great day and enjoy, enjoy this episode of the Headed Home Podcast. Welcome to the Headed Home Podcast, where we explore personal growth, life strategies, and interview remarkable people from real estate and mortgage professionals to small business owners. Join us, your hosts, Andrew and Jen Gallegos, as we uncover the secrets behind how top achievers smash their goals and tackle challenges in today's dynamic world. Get ready for a funny, inspiring, and enlightening experience with captivating stories and invaluable lessons learned. I did like a school training this morning because mm -hmm. I still do those sometimes. And um, so one of the questions I like opened with, with the staff is like, what's one word to describe like your summer or whatever. And I was laughing because like literally the only word that I felt like was mine was like feral. Like I just huh? felt like, every <laughs> no, I just like, everything has been like, like we're just feral. Like our kids are like, I'm going to, I'm going to go ahead and Google what that word means on the other screen here what what the hell what does no, that like even mean like a feral cat where you're just yeah, like yeah like uncivil okay. like yeah, uncivilized like yeah like, like living, a stray cat okay. yeah like mm -hmm. living gotcha. you know just like eating whatever you, uh, dude <laughs> yeah. i i need them to go back uh, next week like right when away. do they go back oh next week okay. next week yeah 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 it's just like you're kind of, i feel like you're kind of like us i i'm very um, like I need my routine. And so the hard part is, is everything is like piecemealed right now. And so, you know, like we're still working, but like the kids are home sometimes, sometimes they're not, sometimes they're somewhere else. or they have like practice or, you know, and it's yeah. just like, dear God, like I need like m on Mondays, this happens on Tuesdays, this happens. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know how you balance that with business having to <laughs> pick up kids from places yeah <laughs> I, can I, only imagine. I don't I, yeah I mean you just have to be able to be 
able to work remote from wherever you're at, it, which is nice. Like, you know, yeah. take your laptop everywhere. I have like multiple setups, you know, at our house, you know, just to jump on, but yeah, everywhere with the, with the cell phone and the laptop, you know, that's mm-hmm. helpful. Mm-hmm. And yep, never be too far day. from home. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know. I know you do. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. a lot of work. Okay. Yeah. Well, let's, let's get right into it. So you are obviously doing an awesome job in real estate, Thank but you. I w- I would love for you to kind of talk about how you got into the business um, from what you were doing before. Oh yeah. It was um, a kind of long journey. It wasn't a direct linear path for sure. I think that's probably most people. Um, yeah. But I came out to Denver for uh, in 2015 to get a master's degree in sport performance psychology. Um, and I didn't really know what that meant or what I wanted to do. I just knew that I really liked the idea of like tackling your mindset and kind of performing at an excellent level. And so that's what really drew me to that. Um, and I started a private practice with someone I went to grad school with when we graduated. Um, and I like to joke that I was playing pretend entrepreneur because I, I like, was like, I went to school for psychology. I can start a business. And it's like, well, those are, those are very different skill sets. Um, but I really did like the kind of business management side of things. I liked having control over my own schedule, my own life. Um, And when I discovered that the sports psychology world just wasn't the right fit uh, long-term for a variety of reasons, um, getting into real estate was really like a pragmatic decision. You know, it wasn't this, there's not like a romantic story behind like discovering and falling in love with real estate. You know, it was sitting down and literally writing down every job I'd had since I was like 15, mm. what I liked, what I didn't like, uh, what came naturally to me, what I felt like was always going to be like pulling teeth for me, no matter you know what the job was and what I wanted out of life and just literally charted out like, who am I? What am I good at? <laughs> what do I want out of my life? Um, and real estate kind of seems to be the thing that fit when I reverse engineered it that way. And I, I love it. I mean, I now can say that I really love and am passionate about real estate, but yeah, it was really like a strategic, pragmatic decision at the jump and not, you know, I didn't have this dream for my whole life, but, uh, that strategy has worked out for me. That's an interesting practice that you sat down and wrote out like what you're good at, what, how you want things to look. I feel like, um, I mean, I never did that. Did you do that? No. I just backed into <laughs> mortgages, not. you know? <laughs> So that's cool that you had the wherewithal to put that together. Where did that come from? Like what, what gave you that idea? Um, I mean, I think part of it was probably the education in sports psychology of just the idea of like taking a step back and looking at the whole person and starting there as opposed to like the end goal. So it was less like, yeah, I knew what I wanted my lifestyle to be like. I obviously wanted to make money, but I just knew I mean, there's a million and one things in the world that you can do or you can make a lot of money, right? So I just knew that if I just threw something at the wall and hoped it would stick, I could spend the rest of my life hating what I was doing and continuously changing industries and continuously pivoting and being that person who's like, 
I just, you know, I, I do it because I have to, but every day is a slog. So I was just really kind of mindful of, let's take a step back and look at the person, myself first, and put money aside and, and work on the principle, like, what am I going to enjoy and just trust that that will lead to money um, naturally if you're doing something that you like and enjoy and are good at. So, yeah, I think the sports psychology as opposed to just looking at the problem the person is bringing you saying like, let's take a step back and kind of look at the whole picture a little bit more. Well, I feel like you have to, you had like a really good understanding of who you were. Like, I feel like that is something that I think probably a lot of people when they're choosing jobs don't necessarily think through. Um, but a lot of that probably meant that you had to outline like who you are, What's your why? Like, what do you value? What are those yes. things that that you really stand for? What are the things that you can like suck up and deal with? And like, what are the things that like you absolutely can't, you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, that's actually a big piece of it too. I mean, it's really easy to find things. I guess it's not really easy, but it's easier to find things that you're good at and that you enjoy as opposed to figuring out what bullshit you're good at dealing with. You know, uh -huh. like I feel like if you can figure out the bad that fits with you and your personality, you're on a much better track because there's a lot of things that naturally fit well with you and are going to be easy, but it's finding a career so or industry true. where the bad part works for you. And yeah, maybe you don't enjoy that bad part, but you know that that will work for you. So like for real estate, I think one of the biggest barriers for people is the fluctuating income. You know, yeah. that's a huge one that people don't think about enough before they get into this. But to me, I had spent 10 years working in restaurants. So to me, that was the only way of making that's money. Your life. Really do. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. to me, and like the idea of, having to work weekends and a different schedule from my friend, like that is stuff that I know for a lot of people is enough to make it not worth it. I have a lot of friends that just the fluctuating income and not having health insurance and having to work Saturdays and maybe Sundays is enough to be like, that's not going to work for me. But I just knew those things don't really bother me. Um, so if, if that is, Kind of the barrier for a lot of people in this industry and i can eliminate that barrier just because it's not something that naturally exists for me um you know maybe i put myself ahead of a lot of people naturally just by being a little bit more uh reflective about yeah. that and not being afraid too of the of the highs and lows because you got in in a really good market right <laughs> like you was it 2021 yeah. when you started yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it, it, I'd say good market. There was a lot of opportunity out there. It was still a really so difficult mar market though, from, you know, from a buyer standpoint, for sure. A little bit easier mm -hmm. from, from a seller standpoint, but a lot of sellers then end up being buyers. So you have to understand a lot of different facets to it. Like when you started, we like to ask this question, did you hit stumbling blocks right off the bat? Were you successful right off the bat? Or did it take you a while to feel comfortable and have some wins? Um, yeah, that's a really good question. Well, so, I mean, obviously definitely had some some stumbling blocks, uh, which I, I'll get to, but, you know, I approached choosing my first brokerage very similarly to the way I approached choosing real estate as a career in general. So, like, I really sat down and thought about what is going to be 
what is the challenge of being with your first brokerage or starting your career career in real estate? Like, what is that hurdle? And for me, I theorized and figured it would be getting business. And I think that's where a lot of people struggle. And so I chose a brokerage that fed me a lot of internet leads. So that really did... And I, I was right. I think that was the biggest stressor starting out for me was that building business. So that helped a lot that it was 2021 and internet leads were robust. Um, I will say, though, that I underestimated um, like the emotional weight of working in real estate. Um, that was definitely my biggest hurdle. My first year was just understanding not internalizing everything that goes wrong with a client mm. and like when people lose offers, when inspections don't go exactly how you want, all those things. It was that idea of presenting information, but not taking responsibility <laughs> for mm-hmm. that information necessarily. So that was really hard. Um, I mean, especially 2021, I have one couple in particular that I always think of, they were looking for a single family in Park Hill. Mm. Um, and it's, it was like, a, it was truly a bloodbath to get the uh, under contract. And we did eventually, but there were a few points in time with them where I was just really struggling with like empathizing a little bit too much. So I think that was probably my biggest hurdle or like stumbling block that first year was just understanding like the emotional weight of real estate. I think yeah. though, when you are like a, have like a high emotional intelligence or like are a really like empathic person. I think that you do automatically like take feelings of other people on very like easily. And so it is hard because you like deeply feel like the feelings of the people that are in front of you and you have to, you have to like talk to yourself and be like, okay, these are like, this is, you almost have to like look at yourself as like a messenger, you know, yes. because it is difficult. You, you get in this place where you just take on their emotions and, and it, and that's easier said than done, Oh, it's especially terrible. at the beginning oh, of a so career terrible. too. And mm-hmm. it's still hard. I've been in lending for a long time, but like at the very beginning, you just, everything is so emotional because you also want to be successful. You know, a lot's riding on getting an offer accepted from, you know, Mm. your personal perspective, but also the family's perspective, but you're right in it. You're with them. You're going and you're seeing the excitement on their face and then needing to tell them the bad news that they went with another offer. I mean, that would be tough. What do you do to like, like, what are some strategies? Like, how did you, and I'm sure it's still hard, but like, what are some strategies that you use to overcome that? Um, you know, I think that my years of working in restaurants really developed a skill in me of being able to deliver bad news without people getting mad at me. Yes. I mean, even something as silly as being like telling someone that the kitchen is backed up and it's going to be another like 30 minutes. Like I spent 10 years doing so. Like, I think that yeah. helped a lot. And then obviously like the psychology training of just kind of being, um, practiced in, yeah. in delivering not so you have great a good background yeah you have a good background for being a realtor mm-hmm. thank you um but a lot of it is just like <laughs> i'm just saying so- oh, no, i was i was just sorry. thinking of the kitchen like just how pissed people get when you're like yeah the kitchen is just a complete yeah. dumpster or when, fire. when someone tells you that like 
the meal is finally up and then they screwed something major up and then you have to go tell the table like oh you know that thing that took 45 minutes is gonna take another 40 <laughs> yeah you're like i have to go tell them that you go <laughs> right so, yeah yeah, yeah. And but, you almost I mean, have to take the blame too that's what yeah. i used to do oh, like it's my fault yeah. you know and then people were cool about it because if you blame yeah. the kitchen it's almost like a cop out you know oh, it's so yes. hard yeah so i i feel like i mean conflict management in general is so much just empathizing with people mm-hmm. um yeah. and not trying to discount their mm-hmm. feelings or argue against their perspective at all like i've noticed that when people are upset and it's so simple but when you're just like i hear you like i completely agree i'd be pissed off too like that'll yeah. that alone as opposed to being like don't be angry you shouldn't be angry it's gonna be okay yeah and it's like that's not what people want to hear people just want to know that they're not alone and that their feelings are valid and if because if you if you take someone's feelings as valid you're taking their problem as valid right you know if you're like yeah you're allowed to be pissed off about this you're validating the problem in general whereas if you try to make them not pissed (laughs) you're you're trying to tell them you're overreacting so if you're just willing to ride it out with people um, and not try, I mean, to your point, like not try to put the blame on anyone else, take the responsibility if you can, you know, people yeah. just, people just want to feel like you're on their team. So it's mm-hmm. really, I I don't feel like it's, it's rocket science. It's just being able to really not have an ego involved and just, I'm on your team. I'm on your team. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm on your team. <laughs> well, and, and the more, you know, experience, the more you do it, the more you have those conversations, the more you're, you can, you know, set expectations up front too. Is that a big part of what you do? Um, oh my in, God. With, with your clients? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I joke and I, it's not really a joke. I feel like most of life finding satisfaction in life is just expectation management. Um, like I want to I want to start taking you to my trainings because this is literally (laughs) all I talked about this morning okay keep going this is yeah I mean it's it's so true I mean I yeah I really genuinely feel like so much of life is expectation management and with real estate like I learned when I was first starting I I wouldn't necessarily have the conversation with buyers ahead of time about the market we're dealing with or be as blunt about it because I didn't want to scare them away and scare away business Whereas now I can have the confidence to be like, listen, there's a good chance we're not winning your first or second offer. It might take three or four, but that doesn't mean we're doing a bad job. You know, that's just Denver. That's this market. That's what it means to da 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 da. So expectation expectation management is huge. And now I have people where I give them that spiel about like, you probably won't win the first offer, and then they do win their first offer, and they're like. The, and they feel the so great. You're the best agent of all time. <laughs> so, Isn't it amazing though? If you set it the right way and then you can just come back to that conversation. Yes. Yeah, exactly. We talked about this. Yeah. You knew this was coming. I had mm-hmm. someone at my, my first brokerage that always say it was like, um, no, I don't remember exactly what the saying is, but it's something along the lines of like, when you tell people what's going to happen and when it's going to happen, when it does, they won't be upset because you, yeah. right preps them with that so that's huge why do we feel like i i've always tried to figure this out like why do people not set expectations from the get-go then like do you think that it's a fear of losing out on business or like saying a really hard thing and like hopefully they won't have to deal with it and so they'll just deal with it when it comes up like do you think it's that 
Yeah, I think that there's a fear of scaring people away. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that there's a fear when you're, you know, like a a realtor or a loan officer and there's a a million of us that you can choose from. I think that there can be a fear of if I scare this person away or leave a bad taste in their mouth, they can easily just go and find someone else that, you know, can paint a sunny, rosy picture for them. And maybe that's not going to work out, but it feels nice from the jump. So I think there's just that fear sometimes of, yeah, you can leave and find someone else immediately. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's almost like a, a rejection that comes with it. And then I also think when you're somewhat, newer there's also sometimes a, a fear of getting pushback on mm-hmm. the expectations yeah. you're setting or the boundaries that you're setting and when you're newer in an industry it's a little bit harder to feel confident and like standing behind those expectations or those boundaries yeah, that yeah. You're setting. I, I feel like yeah no i think you worded that really well it is you have that it's 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 a mindset thing and when you're, when you're newer or when you're slower, cause I'll still run into this too. Like you start to, you start taking more chances. You start to have that scarcity mindset. It's hard to have an abundance mindset when you're not confident and when things aren't going yeah. great. But, um, yeah, I think trying to teach yourself how to have that abundance mindset before you have the confidence is a hard thing. And that's why, that's why I like, I like talking to people like you that like come into a new industry, they're successful right off the bat. Um, and then, but you also have those mindset pieces to where you're, you're, you're probably learning pretty quickly too. Like you said, one of the first things you learned was that emotional roller coaster that you go on and, um, didn't realize how like impactful that would be, but then you probably fixed it early or at least were aware of it so that you could, you know, have success from there. But that's why we like talking to people like you. Now, how do you, how do you continue to you know, as we go, like the market is still very, it's mid 2023 right now, or I guess we're getting towards yeah. the end of 2023. Um, still a really tough market. <laughs> like in, in for like, for us, you know, we pay close attention to things that we can control outside of business. Mm-hmm. Um, tell us about you and your, um, maybe morning routine or just some practices that you do in terms of personal or professional development that, um, help you keep going. Keep you sane. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so physical fitness, working out, just like movement has always been like a really stabilizing force in my life. So even if I'm just going on walks a lot, like I'm always moving and my like anxiety and stress manifest very physically. So I have to be moving a lot. Um, as far as I, <laughs> Real estate, you know, it kind of leaves no room to hide as far as like your personal shortcomings or places for improvement, just because, So true. you know, like there's, it's being commission based and having to find your own, like there's just, your weaknesses will come out. And so I've learned with myself, um, I have to be, I have to treat myself a little bit like a child because um, I'm really like scatterbrained and ADD minded, which is one of the reasons real estate works great for me because I'm never doing one thing for more than a small chunk of time. I'm always mm-hmm. all over. So it works really great. But I've learned that I have to like put safety guards on myself. And for me, that is the morning routine of taking time to journal and meditate and do affirmations. 
and then like write, handwrite my to-do list for the day um, and what I'm going to do. Because if I'm not like, again, treat myself like a child, if I'm not like writing it down, <laughs> it'll, you know, it's going to get lost in the whirlwind. So that's a big thing for me. And then that also is what allows me to center myself on, on like, I'm a bigger picture as a professional and as a person, like, who am I trying to become and, and what can we be doing in this day to take steps for that? So my morning routine um, is like of the utmost importance. Yeah. Um, and again, just cause it's with something like real estate, you can't, you can't just like be willy nilly about it and just hope that things fall into place. That's just not how it's going to work. That's so funny that you said you have to like treat yourself like a child because yeah. we were, well, we were talking, we were having this conversation over the weekend because we had so much, we had just, we have a lot going on. And so, um, we feel like we're always like making these decisions about like what we are able to do and then still like be functional, like adults during the week, you know, and it is like, you have to like give yourself a bedtime. You have to like, yeah. be like, no, Jen, like you can't go out tonight because you have this serious thing this week and your, your mind has to be in the right spot for it. Like it's so, I didn't know that being a grown up was like basically parenting yourself still. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I think especially when your, uh, success or longevity in the industry that you're in, is just completely results based yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. that plays a huge role in it. Right. I mean, mm -hmm. like, because if not, if you're just like, oh, I'm going to go punch the clock, which I couldn't do, doesn't sound like that's something that you could do Katarina either yeah. or has, yeah. have ever done. You know, I think that's a little bit different because then you're like, like you mentioned before, you know, if you value the weekend and, and, um, you know, those, those days off, then I think you can let loose a little bit more. But when you, when you know that everything is riding off of like how you do, it's different. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and Jen, you actually made me think of just thinking about like fun things too. I've learned that I have to like schedule self-care and like taking mm -hmm. care of myself. Otherwise I'll be one of those people where it's been like, when was the last time <laughs> yeah. that I like spent 24 hours, like off the grid, like not thinking about work at all. And mm -hmm. that gets really tough. Um, I mean, my whole life, I've never been like a punch the clock kind of person. So it's not like I've, I've, I'm used to having, you know, the two days off every week, but it is really hard when no one is telling you like, this is your, yeah. this is the downtime where now you're allowed to relax and recoup uh -huh. and recharge. So that's another thing I've, I've been learning is that if I don't like put those things in my calendar, like the fun things and things to look forward to and trips, it won't happen. And that's, also really unhealthy and not productive. Yeah. Um, one of my favorite things to say is that sometimes the most productive thing you can do is absolutely nothing. Um, like, cause sometimes you work so hard that yeah. like it's, it's time to do, if you keep working, you're not going to work well, you know, you're going to, you're mm -hmm. going to be sloppy or your mind's not going to be there. So that's been another big challenge is just learning to schedule time to myself and that it's okay to take days where you're like, and do not disturb is on <laughs> for the rest of the day. Yeah. That's and a great point. And I think the one thing that you said, which I think is really important and something, I don't know, I'm just, I feel like I'm in the midst of this. So it's just something I'm thinking about a lot is like, you're going to get lots of, you know, 
things thrown at you where it's like, Hey, come do this or come do this. And to be really thoughtful and intentional of like, is this fun thing that I'm doing? Like giving me peace and space to like, you know, and cause sometimes it doesn't. And so you have to kind of figure out where you're at. And absolutely. There are times where like, there are fun things that you can go do that take more out of you. And those are fun and important to do. But I think like, I'm just trying to like, really think about like, how, like, what are ways that I can protect my peace? Because we have all of this chaos, like going on (laughs) around us a lot of the time, like you have to be really thoughtful about that so that you can think clearly in those moments where it's like really hard, you know? Yes. And that's what it is. It's, it's being able to be in a place where you, you have some level of peace that you can tap into so that you can access that. Cause I've, I've noticed I've had times where I'm just like, mm-hmm. my threshold, my <laughs> limit is like, I'm right there. <laughs> and it's just, yeah, that's not a good place to be. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, uh, and I think physical activity, I mean, I, I can always tell like on the days where, you know, I, cause I try to do like five or six days a week of like an exercise, but every day I'm like at least walking. And when we don't do that, I can immediately tell that my like mental state is in a way worse situation than like normally is. Um, Mm -hmm. and so I think that that starting your day off or like getting outside and walking, like that really can impact you in ways that like, you don't even really like, you can't even articulate because it's just, you know, but it really does impact you, um, in a mental way and a physical way. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about the sports psychology background and like exactly what you did? Yeah. Um, I'm just very interested in this. (laughs) Such a, this is so fascinating to me. Just a quick, yeah, we don't have to go on it. It's, it's just always a funny, anytime someone asks me about this, I'm like, what an interesting couple of years of my life. Um, (laughs) (laughs) You know, it just feels like such like a a different lifetime. Um, But so the the idea of sports psychology in general is, um, it's basically just the psychology of excellence. And so in the way that traditional psychology is identifying something wrong and trying to bring you back to like baseline normal, sports psychology is assuming you're already baseline pretty normal and trying to elevate you above that. So it's kind of a different, completely different approach to psychology. So it can be applied to anything that's performance-based. Sports is just kind of the most obvious or easiest place to kind of park that. Um, but musicians, like I had professors that work with professional musicians, business people, um, first responders, that's another one. But anyway, so it, it was doing one-on-one workshops or, or like team settings of, of teaching different aspects of that, like elevated psychology. So motivation, goal setting, confidence, um, stress management. That was a big one, of course. So all all of those things that your normal person who's not, you know, diagnosably struggling with anything, what are those things that your day-to-day person just struggles with as, you know, a part of being a human being? And how can we address those things so that you're just more excellently going through life? Now, would you get a lot of parents putting their kids in programs like that? 
Yes, it was mostly um, kids that I was working with. I should also say the military is another avenue. Yeah, so that was actually the route that I was going to go when I graduated. I've got a lot of military in my family, and so I was going to... um, I had accepted the job and everything, and I was just waiting for a location. Um, But yeah, so that's a really big um, area where they do that. But I was working a lot with kids and a big part of that is it's just um a really like luxury service it's not something that like health insurance covers or is considered like essential um so it was a lot of people with a lot of disposable income we'll say (laughs) gotcha Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. Mm -hmm. i would think i mean we could and you know this because we've talked to you about it but our our kids are in um high level sports and I used to coach in high school and they're seven and eight, by yeah, the way, seven so and eight. as yeah. high level is as high level. They're in the highest level that an eight year old is kidding. Um, no. And I coached high school. Um, I think it's been well since Ava was born. So it's been about 10 years, but I, what's fascinating to me is how different the kids sports are now. Um, and yeah, they're I think so different. it's like, it blows my freaking mind. Like uh, whenever I think about it, it's just, it's so different. Um, but there is this whole piece of that mental aspect that I think, you know, people are more intentional about now with like coaching. Um, and it is, it is interesting from, you know, a perspective of being a parent and a, you know, a past coach, I think for me, you know, sports is, incredibly important. Um, but I think it's important in the sense of like teaching life skills around like how to work in a group or how to go through hard shit and realize that you can do it. Um, and it's a hard, it's a hard line. And I'm sure that you saw kind of both sides of that line, I guess, um, with like, at what point is this maybe not a positive experience for kids I don't know yeah well it's it's interesting because like when I was a kid I played like community soccer leagues were a big thing where it was like mm-hmm. sure you paid something but it was like the cost of your t-shirt you know <laughs> right and, and you yeah and it was like it was like parent volunteers that were coaching and like that was totally fine like people would feed from those community programs into like playing for their high school team now it's like if you want to be I don't know, like even on a varsity high school team, you have to be in these like club sports where you're paying thousands and thousands of dollars. And there's no like low stakes version of sport, it feels like for kids, which is unfortunate. Mm -hmm. Um, Because there's a ton of research that up until a certain age, like for kids, the whole point should just be fun. And like Mm -hmm. starting to learn how to cooperate with kids and how to win and lose and handle those appropriately. But like up until like early teens, there's a lot of research that says like, that's the point. And like, don't try to make it anything more than that. Even if your yeah. kid has like professional, even if they're the prodigy standing in front of you until a certain age, it doesn't make sense to try to yeah. like pound being a professional athlete. So there is that aspect where I'm like, at a certain, for a certain age, it might make more sense for sports psychologists to work with the parents than the kids Ooh, and say, yeah. this Ooh, is, I love that. these are the opportunities for you to demonstrate good life skills for your kids, right? Like yep. these are the conversations you can have in the car on the way home. These are the way 
that you frame things like losing or not getting those kinds of things as opposed to like sitting across the table from a seven-year-old and being like tell me about your stress and they're like (laughs) they're like what what? i'm hungry yeah exactly sometimes (laughs) my stomach hurts Um, so so it is interesting like there is a, a point where it's like i think for a good chunk of childhood just gotta let them yeah. play mm-hmm. you know and, and just through example a lot of times how to respond yeah yeah well I think you I think you made a really good point because I I think a lot of it is like pulling those pieces out of things that happen like our like our son last night ran a ton at the end of practice at football mm-hmm. practice and it it was the conversation was like dude you just did this like really hard thing you probably right. didn't know that you could get through it. And like, look, you did, like you got through it and that's awesome. And like, that's the totally. lesson that I wanted to get, you know? Um, and so I think that that is really important because you can use those things that happen to them during sports to teach those skills that we know, like make them successful adults. God, that would be like a really yeah. interesting like business yeah. to do that with parents. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, it's I so did, I did work with parents a little bit. Some parents did you? were cognizant enough to want to work with me. Um, and I did feel like that was probably the more, at a certain age, that's probably the more appropriate or more effective way of yeah. Yeah. handling those kinds of things. Right. Um, but that's my opinion. <laughs> no, I, I well, and I think it's crazy because, yeah, um, they, people just get so caught up in it and there's like just so much competition, you know, it's, I constantly have to bring myself back and just, you know, even have that conversation like, Hey, they're seven and eight, you know, so like they have plenty of time and they're, they'll grow and adapt and they'll change and, you know, well, and, um, and, yeah. And one day it's not going to really matter. Like I, I understand that like, <laughs> so true. like being an athlete was a huge part of my life until I was like 18, like that one. And now like I'm physically here we active, are. But here right. we are <laughs> precisely, but, you know what I mean? Like it's right. the, the number of people that are going to actually make a life out of sport is like, mm-hmm. so small and so there is like a certain point with like the sports psychology and stuff where it was like felt like was almost doing more harm than good because it was just adding more pressure onto this like Mm. you have to be the perfect athlete it's like they're 14 like let them be a 14 year old kid with their friends instead of you know spending and it's like the damage right and it's like if you if you're gonna put everything on that and then it doesn't work out then what sort of damage is that going to do to your kid, you know, because then they're going to be 18 and their identity is going to be wrapped up in something that they failed at. Yep. And then they're going to become a coach for some private club. And then they're going to push all their unfulfilled dreams under their, their team. Ah. And the cycle will continue. It's so interesting. Yeah. Oh, I would love to hear your stories. Yeah, I've got, yeah. Oh, yeah. I... It, was, it was a good experience. I mean, it, it, it yeah. was. Uh, yeah. Right on. I just wanted yeah. to touch on that. Yeah, I think that's yeah. that's really interesting. And I think that uh, well, and like that information is important to be and, out there. And yeah. like you said, it's all transferable skills to business. So I think like yeah. that's super cool yep. that all the stuff that you taught other people to do is helpful for you in your business. Yeah, absolutely. Like I always tell people 
like when I, when I do consultations with people with like buyers or sellers, I feel like I'm able to dig in a lot more into like why people are doing what they're mm. doing or be able to get to like a, a much better understanding of talking to them about like goal setting and maintaining your motivation, even when you've lost three offers and those kinds of things. Um, so I joke sometimes that I have a useless master's degree, but I really don't. I, no. I use it a lot. Yeah, no, I use For it a sure. lot. I use it a lot. <laughs> well, in, in sports and in business, we fail a lot. It's a huge part of what we do. So maybe talk a little bit about that. Like what's your relationship with failure and um, tell us some maybe experiences that you've failed that have made you stronger. Yeah. Um, I mean, I definitely didn't always have a good relationship with failure. I was a very, very um, anxious kid. Um and so I think I always put a lot of pressure on myself. I know I put a lot of pressure on myself with everything. Um, and so it was really hard for me for a lot of my life to deal with quote unquote failure. I think a big turning point for me was when I first, uh, when I ran a marathon for the first time. Um, I've only run two marathons. I don't say that as if that's something I do all the time. Probably will never do one again. But the first time... I, I ran a marathon. I think it was really transformative as far as my like relationship with failure because success in that arena, one is so subjective. I mean, yeah, there's like finishing, but like, yeah, are you just trying to finish this thing? You're trying to get a time. Is it, it it's so subjective winning or fail, winning or losing or whatever in that, that context. And then it was also an interesting experience because and this might sound bad, but like marathon running is not like a skill-based thing. It's just putting in the work. That's all mm-hmm. you're doing. Like mm-hmm. there's not skill behind running for three hours straight. You've just put in work, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's all it is. Yeah. And so that was an interesting experience of my confidence of like how much of life is just putting in the work and how many times have I talk myself out of things because I don't have the skills, but maybe it's just putting in the work. So I think, again, that first marathon was a really interesting experience. because I just put one foot in front of the other, literally and metaphorically. Literally. Um, yeah. And, and, and you'll, you'll get there. So that was ever since then, I mean, failure is never easy. Um, but I think I've just, I think I've just gained a confidence in myself and who I am and what my strengths are and what my weaknesses are. And I just, Failure is going to happen and you, you take lessons from it. There's always a positive in every failure. And, and I just try to focus on that. What is the good of any failure, which is always the lesson. I was literally journaling yeah. about that this morning. It's okay. <laughs> I screwed something up, but there's good in there because there's always yeah. a lesson. So, no you know, I think, I think just, I think a big part of it is the relationship you have with yourself and being able to be compassionate towards yourself. Mm-hmm. And like, like when you know what your strengths and weaknesses are, we all have them. I think yeah. it's easier to be compassionate on yourself. Like when you're doing something that doesn't play into your strengths, when you do something that's hard for you and you know, this isn't natural for me and this is a hard thing for me to do. And I didn't do it perfectly, but of course not, because that's not the thing that I excel at in life. So it's, I think a lot about it is just the relationship you have with yourself. Um, yeah. 
Well, and I think what you said is really important because I think what a lot of people do and what you naturally want to do is like you mess something up or you don't do something um, to your standards and then you internalize it. And so instead of saying like, I messed this thing up, then you go into this place where you're like, I'm a piece of shit or whatever, like yeah, you want to create. Enough. Yeah, I'm not good enough. Like I'm, um, you know, I shouldn't be in this job or I shouldn't, you know, whatever that is. Um, but I think that when, when you start to like fail enough, which I, you know, I think is so important for people to understand that like you, you're going to like anything new that you do in your life, you're going to mess it up multiple times over and over. And if you're not actually failing, like, I think then you're not like trying as many new things as you possibly should. Um, but I, I think you start to get in a place where like you separate that a little bit. So where you can say like, yeah, I did. Okay. Like this, this, you know, and you really helped me with this because that I definitely struggle with that. But I think that when you mess up, and you do it enough, you can start to separate who you are as a person from failures. Um, but yeah. it is really hard and it's something you have to keep working on. Keep all the working time. on, yeah, and having that growth mindset. You know, like you said, there's oh, something yeah. that you can take from this and learn from this and and yeah, make sure that it doesn't happen again and make sure that you're better the next time. Um, in terms of that, like, you know, growth mindset, are you a big reader? Yeah, I I am. And I've been kind yeah. of um, rereading some books lately. I've been trying to kind of get back to mm. uh, basics, as they've liked to say this year. <laughs> yeah. Any recommendations? <clears throat> um, so I've been reading The Go-Giver, which is really, okay. really good. Um, I think that's from like 2007. Have you ever read that one? Mm, no, I haven't. No. The Go-Giver. It's a really good one. Yeah. yeah it's it's not about like one. any yeah business in general, but it's about like relationship based gotcha. relationships with clients yeah. and kind of having, um, yeah, that spirit of giving and not what you can get from your clients. Um, which I think is so uh, important in real yeah, estate. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it can be so easy when you're commission based to just be like, I need business, I need business, I need business. Mm -hmm. But if you, right. if you take a step back and, and try to think about how you're actually serving someone, that's a lot different. Um, I um, have been listening to sell it, uh, sell it like Sir Hand. Have you? Okay. Yeah. Um, that is a really good, and it's real estate specific, but that is really a, kind of the idea is um, approaching building your business through like just being open to the world around you and kind of like attracting people to you just with an attitude of open-mindedness. So like the idea of, like somewhere I've been applying this a lot is, you know, I take my dogs to the dog park a lot. And a lot of times I approach that as like, I'm putting my headphones in, head down, I'm not talking to anyone. But instead, I've just been going now with an attitude of, of being like, these are people in my neighborhood, like, let's make small talk and um, meeting people that way. So just having like an attitude of mm -hmm. openness. And, and so that's a really, really uh, good one as well. Um, and I've also been rereading Ninja, which is always like a classic real estate book. Um, you can never go wrong with Ninja. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. It's always good to, if you read a good book like that and you get a few things from it, you know, go back to it. And, and like, just those, like you mentioned, like the strategies in Ninja and it sounds like that the other book that you just mentioned, it's weird how just like one little tweak of, of like the way you're going about your day or your mindset can just like open up all of these new possibilities and like so much of it, you control so much that you don't think you control. That's like the, the really cool part about, um, being a, a, a in real estate too is just like you can create something out of nothing just by making a small decision in your in your mind to just do something a little bit different. You know, I think that's what's really cool about it. Percent, yeah. And another one of those because you know I live in Uptown, and it's just a oh, neighborhood yeah. where people are out and yeah out and about yeah. all the time. And it occurred to me a couple of weeks ago, like why do I not have a coffee <laughs> shop that I go to? Oh, you know, every week yeah. for a couple hours. And so I started going where it's like the same people work there, the same like regulars are there all the time. So it's like, just go there when you have phone calls to make, because then people are going to hear you talking about mm-hmm. real estate. And so even those little changes of just making myself more available to the people around me um, can make a huge difference um, and can be kind of fun at the same time. I love that. You, um, I want to touch on this really fast because you mentioned this and I think it's uh, really important. So you mentioned confidence and Mm -hmm. I think there's, there's this perception out there that, that people wait to do things until they have the confidence to do it. Um, and I just, I think that you are absolutely in a place where you can touch on this because you've done so many different things, but how do you build, like, how do you get confidence? Like what, how does that happen? Um, so the unfortunate reality of building confidence is that the beginning of it is always uncomfortable. Like there's no hack to gaining confidence where you're not Mm -hmm. putting yourself out there and hating it in some capacity. Mm -hmm. Um, so like, I, like genuinely, confidence. I always say it's like a fake it till you make it kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, but there is like, it's, it's research. I don't know the name of it, but there's like a, a feedback loop when you're trying to gain confidence in something. And part of that feedback loop is having to screw up at that thing. But like the first step, you have to try something, just have to put yourself out there. You have to do it. Um, screw up, (laughs) reflect on those screw ups. And then that creates the confidence because you're like chipping away at this skill. So, I mean, first step is always going to have to be feeling uncomfortable and doing Uh, and and doing it. Yeah. So it's, and that like expectation management, I feel like one of the keys to life is being able to hack yourself into doing things that you don't feel like doing, but a lot of it really is just, putting yourself in the situation, committing to putting yourself in the scary situation or, or whatever for X amount of time, because yeah. you have to give yourself some time to do it um, and just committing to it. And it's never as bad or as scary as you think it like cold calling is a perfect example. If you commit that like Monday through Friday, I am going to make these cold calls by Friday. You're going to feel so vastly different than you did yeah. on yeah. Monday. The, the action is the key because if you think about it all week long and never take the action, you're going to totally just as shitty as a, about it as you did on, you know, as you did on Monday. So true. But when you actually put yourself out there and you're like, okay, the world is not ending. If I stumbled over my words uh-huh. on the phone, I haven't like lost my job or like, you know, yeah. nothing, no one's dying here. So it really is 
taking the jump, which I know is the hardest. Always part. the hardest. Yeah. Well, I, I think too, in like layering that with, you mentioned before, like going at everything that you're doing from a business standpoint with like the idea that you're just trying to help, yeah. you know, and you're just, you're really just trying to add value. That really helps me like from a cold calling standpoint is just, it, it, it takes away any sort of call reluctance because I'm like, I'm, I truly don't care if I get a sale out of this. I'm really just trying to help. And I think, you know, that that's one of those things that can help you get through those cold calls. I think another thing too, that helps me a lot is like doing something hard, like outside of, um, you know, the, the cold yes. calls in this example, you know, doing okay. like a cold tub, you know, and yeah. like getting through that in the morning and being like, all right, I'm proud of myself because I accomplished this physical feat. And now I can, I can, that's just some little level of confidence that I have in my mind. So I can go do something else hard in, a, mm -hmm. in another aspect of life. That is a really, really good. And I think that's why I like the gym and fitness and yeah. running. Totally. And I think that's why that's always spoken to me a lot because I feel like the things you learn in those environments just transcend into other places. And there, I mean, there totally. are sometimes where I, where I almost get like an itch to compete in something like do a, a 10 K or something. Um, cause I almost get an itch to like, I need to reprove to myself that I'm capable of physically and metaphorically putting one foot in front of the other and just doing the hard shit. Yeah. I told myself I was going to, right. um, and, and for me signing up for like a running race is a good way to do that because I've committed to no one but myself, but I'm yeah. committed to doing it. Um, I also have a little bit of pride and ego with running, so I'm not gonna, <laughs> <When> <laughs> I'm not gonna just completely yeah, let it let the ball drop. But yeah, that's a really good point. Is something that's outside of your job or, or whatever, um, having some different platform. I mean, like sports psychology of sport yeah. is the platform where you're learning these things, but the goal really is to then apply it to everything else. Right. One, it's just like in line with that relationship that you have with yourself. I feel like if you're proud of yourself, that's like one of the best feelings that you can possibly have that yeah, gives totally. you confidence to just go out, go out and just, you know, uh, cause if like, you know, you're doing things that, you know, like just from like a diet, for example, if you're like trying to stick on a diet and you just like go off the rails for a couple yeah. days, you, you just don't feel like, I don't know, for me, I don't feel like doing, you know, a workout or my, my prospecting tasks. So yeah, it's all right. connected. Yeah, it totally is. Okay. If you could write a book on, oh, do you have something to no, say? No, go, go okay. for it. Yeah. If you, yeah. if you could write a book on any topic in the whole wide world, what would it be on? Oh man, that's a good question. Um, that is a good question. Probably, um, this is gonna sound so lame, but probably something to do with being like a empowered single woman. Um, that it doesn't sound weird at all. That's amazing. No, I just I just feel like that is like the circa twenty twenty three. Everyone wants to be like an influencer and like a expert at those kinds of things. But yeah, I don't know that. Um, without getting too far down the the rabbit hole, like the family I grew up in and the environment I grew up in, like all of these things really led me to valuing like my independence as a female is kind of above all else. And now being in real estate, like I've, I'm finding that one of my passions is helping women, especially have their own like real estate investments that husbands aren't a part of it, boyfriend, you know, it is just theirs and no one can take that away from them. 
Um, and that's something that I've been finding myself really passionate about these days. Um, but I've always said that I wanted to write a book. That's always been on my bucket list. So we'll see. <laughs> All right. Well, what, what about that? You could write a book about the connections between, you know, waiting tables oh my and God, I almost said in, that. <laughs> in real estate as well. I want to, I want to do that. That would be my book. I know there's, there's there so are many a, similarities. There's literally endless. And I knew that when I was getting into real estate, I was like, there's a lot of parallels here. But now that I'm in it, I'm like, damn, there's a lot. Like if I think about like things in my life that have led me to this place, I'm like, wow, working in restaurants really served like a much bigger purpose in my life. I, I think it's invaluable. For. Oh my God. Like the, the, the skills that you learn in just from like a reading people standpoint too, you know, mm -hmm. if you did it for 10 years, like how many people you are you coming in contact with in one shift that within totally. 10 seconds or less, like three seconds, you have to read that person, read their personality, adapt to it, and then, you know, serve them for the next hour or two. Um, yep. and have it yep. be a good experience, <laughs> you know, like it's, yeah, you learn a lot from that. Yeah. I, my younger self would be pleased to know that it'll all pay off. Yeah, <laughs> the, totally. the, late, the 2 a.m. drunk customers and the oh, kitchen God. problems. And, yeah, I mean, it really, it really was invaluable. And I really, really am grateful for it. But man, what a shit show. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah, that's a great story. <laughs> got out yeah. of it, though. And now you're here. You're doing real estate. And, you know, we have a lot of uh, real estate agents and entrepreneurs that listen to this and a big sphere as well. Like where can people find you if they want to connect with you? Mm -hmm. Um, I am very active on my Instagram. Um, that's probably a, a good place to get in touch with me. Um, my 8Z website, um, is also a good place to get some more information on me, but I'd say my Instagram honestly is probably the best place. I'm pretty active on there. And she's really fun to follow. She made me burst out <laughs> laughing today. <laughs> Wasn't that amazing? I'm not kidding. I literally, I was like waiting to like present to these people. I'm like in front of like 50 people and I'm reading this. And I was like, that is hilarious. It was this email that she got. There's like 17 things about it that are funny. Like <laughs> everything about it. The like coming to Croatia subject line. The Katarina and stuff, like everything about it was, every line was gold. I'll show it to you. It's really right. good. I'm look it it up. was so yeah. perfect. That's a keeper. <laughs> well, Katarina, thank you so much for joining us today. And to all of our listeners, thank you so much for tuning in. We really appreciate you. And we hope you have a great day. Anything else? No, I have Okay, I thought you were say. tapping me. All right. Thanks so much. <laughs> thank you.